This is Reawakened, conversations with and for women in transition with Vari Longmuir and Jade McKenzie. As women in our 30s have experienced transition in different forms, we realised there was a lack of open, honest conversation around what can be a lonely and delicate time. Our hope for this podcast is that it will be the medicine you need to navigate whatever you are going through with courage, grace and a little humour along the way. Hi guys and welcome to episode number five. Um, We're talking today about our secret fears and what we are too scared to say out loud. And we've not really done a whole lot of prep going into this episode, which I think will keep it raw and honest and real. So hopefully this is helpful for everyone listening who's got some secret fears of their own. Um, We certainly have ours. So let's dive right in. Um, Jade, I'm going to ask you first, what are you scared of? Hmm. (laughs) I know. Such a big question, isn't it? Um when you start to think about it yeah it can be quite overwhelming but I think I've got a few big ones on my list especially around this time of transition and (laughs) the first one so cover any ears if there's any sensitivity to swearing here but the biggest one that I'm scared of is fucking up my child (laughs) by having this decision, making this decision to separate from her father. I think that's a huge one for me. I I wonder what kind of damage it will do to her or how it will impact her later on. And I've had many people tell me that it's better to do it this way so that you're not in a marriage that is unhappy or strained or stressful and of course, that would have an impact as well. But you do, you, you question it and you try and do your best as a parent. Parenting is really hard. It's hard to navigate your family as a whole, let alone children who are your life and soul. So definitely mm. that is my biggest one. And I've got a couple of others that sound so stupid to say out loud but they're very real at times and the first one and I remember having this when I was 21 22 (laughs) sitting on a bus and I'd just broken up with a long-time partner and I was like oh my god am I going to be alone forever And I laugh so hard thinking about that 20-something-year-old who was like, am I (laughs) going to be alone forever? (laughs) Single for a month. And (laughs) I had no problems after that. But you do, you get, you, when you're in that fresh space of breaking up with someone, you're like, oh, what does the future bring? And and it's the uncertainty of what is to come that is both mm. exciting and terrifying. And even when you know that there's so many amazing things and then you'll look back in 10 years and go, gosh, I'm so glad I took that step. I'm so glad that I moved on from that job or I moved on from that partner or I travelled overseas or I moved here or I did this big thing. 
you never regret it. You always go, wow, I'm so glad I did that. There's so much fear wrapped around that for me Mm. as well. And I know as I was going through that transition time of making that decision out loud to step away from my marriage, there was things, ridiculous things and trivial things and insignificant things I just didn't feel ready to let go of at the time. One of the the, mm-hmm. the biggest points of contention was around the car. Who got the car? And it's ridiculous. It's like it's a fucking car. It really doesn't make a difference. But it's kind of what that represented. <laughs> like we have bought this family car. And it's like, well, who takes on the family car? And it, it's what's behind those yeah. little things. Yeah, for me, it was little things that, that really weren't all that important, but were just, I didn't feel ready. But when the time came, I'm like, right, I'm ready to let go of that car or when it came to selling our family home you know all the emotions wrapped up in selling the family home of selling the home that is the boy's home the guilt that comes with that which I knew that we didn't want to be together and we couldn't continue to own a property together but to actually make that decision to say right let's do this let's put our house on the market and sell it felt really huge and and it took me longer to arrive at that place of being ready to let go of those things so I can totally relate to that yeah and it is the big decisions kind of feel easier it's the nitty-gritty that it is so overwhelming it's and it's so funny isn't it because it just it gets too hard it really does and I'm at the moment our lease is up in a couple of weeks I have to hand back the keys we don't have another house to go to. Um, Cerise and I are effectively, because I can't think of a better term for this, we're homeless until, you know, mm. I decide to get a lease again. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to be without a home. Uh, we're travelling and we're staying with friends and then we're going away, but we don't have yeah. a home base because for me right now, trying to make a decision around where to live based on her school or my life and and then having to get a bond and then apply and all of that, it's just, it's so much. So it's, yeah, I can understand why a car would feel like something that is holding you yeah. back because it's logistics and with children it's not just like walking away and this is the same for yeah. people with like pets <laughs> people who love their pets what do you do with yeah. the visitation rights who takes care of them? all of these things property cars we're yeah. making a million decisions off the back of one major decision it's tiring i would just make one big decision or i would deal with one element of it and then there'd be another thing and i'm like right let's just take a break and take a breather before we jump into this next thing and it's yeah unraveling two lives that have been so entwined for such a long time that it does take time but I think to allow yourself to take time with it it doesn't have to be something that that decisions are made immediately and I know for me when I said to my ex that no this is this is what I want going forward it felt almost like in a situation where he felt that he had very little control or influence, which essentially he did, you know, it was my call. It felt like he kind of jumped to the other side and wanted to take control of things. So 
things like, you know, well, we need to sell the car and we need to sell the house and we need to do this and this. And it was almost like he was trying to kind of scramble to find some sort of, it wasn't a power play, but I feel like he had some sort of control of a situation which he really had very little control of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was those things I was like, well, no, we've made this one big decision, albeit me that's instigated it, we've made this decision together. We don't have to sell the house from under our feet tomorrow. You know, it's something that can take a little bit of time. And, and as it happened, the boys yeah. and I moved out to a friend's house who was overseas for six months, um, which was perfect. It was really close by. It was near their school. It was a house they were familiar with. So we moved in there for six months. And then um, when my friend came back from overseas, it was perfect timing that um, yeah, a little rental property came up just not far from there. And, and we rented that. And we've been in that for almost a year now. And yeah, to, to go from the boys having this secure owned family home, this idea of what we think it is to be a settled, secure, safe family, to feel like I'm ripping that out from underneath their feet was just a really hard thing for me to come to terms with as a parent. But it's, you know, in mm. hindsight, it always worked out beautifully, right? But at the time it was like, oh, you know, we need to we need to find a house because essentially we had that feeling of, you know, we were going to be homeless as well. And and my ex continued to stay on in the house and we did sell the family house earlier this year, um, which he is now renting until he finds somewhere that he wants to move to locally because we have both agreed that we want to stay really close by so we can easily do this co-parent thing. Um, we, do, we have the boys 50-50 and it's really, we've got a system that's really working just now and both of us said from the get-go we want to stay close by each other to be able to help in those days that you know something comes up with work and we have that flexibility which works on on both our parts and with both of our careers and jobs which is excellent but but yeah those big things like selling home you know and having to have that conversation with your kids that you know this house isn't going to be the family house anymore and it took me a while for it having been my family home for a couple of years for me then to start calling it dad's house was really weird and you know to say oh oh, I think you're I think that soccer ball's at dad's house and I'm thinking it, it was funny because it had been my house for a really long time um and that'll change again when yeah. when they move out of that house and move into a different house but yeah it's this again this transition period of not really knowing what the right terms or phrases are but it was funny my youngest son saw a photograph the other day um from a couple of years ago and I was I was on the deck of dad's house and and he said to me oh you you were at dad's house that picture was at dad's house and I was like well Remember, it used to be my house as well. We all used to live there. And he was like, oh, yeah. Like, and it's funny how quickly <laughs> they adapt to it, you know, and for them it's quite natural to say dad's house and mum's house. Um, but, yeah, it was funny for me to to start calling a house that had been our family house and had very much felt like my house to start calling it dad's house because, you know, I worked from home most of the time. So out of all of our family, I was the person that spent the most amount of time in that house. And now that house is dad's house. Which, yeah, is bizarre. But again, it's just all those little things that that you don't realise until you're in it that, that can be those little triggers and those little things that you're not quite sure how to navigate. Yeah, exactly. And do you feel like, so thinking about the first thing I said around mm-hmm. fucking up my child, <laughs> is that a, a thing that you are afraid of? For me, it's more around the fact that 
my ex and I made a decision to move from Scotland to Australia um, almost 11 years ago now. And we chose to have our kids here. And it was a conscious decision to do that. But it's meant that all of our extended family, all the grandparents and aunties and uncles and cousins are all back in Scotland. No one else of either of our families have moved out of Glasgow. Mm. Everyone lives there. And we moved literally as far away as you could possibly move. <laughs> and certainly for, for my mum and my dad before he passed away, my boys were their only grandkids. So there's definitely a, a feeling of guilt around the fact that my decision to live here has forfeited the boys the opportunity to have that extended family round about them and to to go to their grandparents at the weekend or to have aunties and uncles who are really active in their life and to have cousins who are of similar ages which actually wouldn't be the case if we lived in Glasgow because there's no other kids in my family and in my ex's family the kids are all much older so you know that's one of those problems it's not really a problem when you when you dig a little bit deeper but for me that idea of of not giving my kids that opportunity to have that extended family and then taking the next step and choosing to step away from my marriage so that little tiny block of family that were the four of us I've made a decision to break that down even further so there's definitely a sense of guilt and fear around the fact that I robbed my boys of that opportunity um, and then taking it a step further by choosing to leave my marriage. Do you feel like there will be an opportunity for expansion, though, in the future, again, with different partners and even the people and the friends that you have in mm. your lives and their school friends and all of those? Do you not look at that as almost yeah. the same thing, like that's your village, or do you really feel like the family thing, it's like it's very a big core element for you and what you experience It's funny because I think it's that and... romanticised idea of, of yeah. something that I'd never really experienced. So my family growing up weren't a huge family and, and the family that were there weren't particularly close. You know, I had a couple of cousins that were of similar ages that we were close as kids and teenagers, but we weren't one of those families that had those huge, big, you know, family get-togethers at Christmas or would go on holiday together. Um, so it wasn't like that was necessarily my as a kid. Um, certainly the people that I live with here now definitely feel like family. You know, they're those friends that you can just drop in on um, or you can say, oh, can you pick my kids up from school today? And it, you don't feel like you're imposing. So I definitely feel like I have the equivalent of what that family could be without all that family drama that comes with it. You know, um, it was funny. It was just a couple of weeks ago during school holidays, the boys and I had gone to the museum for the day and it was just the three of us. And we were sat in the cafe at lunchtime and there was this family came up at the table next to us. So we're sitting on this tiny little table for two and we've dragged over another chair. So we're all around eating our lunch and this family sit at the table next to us. And for every table that becomes free next to them, they bolt that on. And so more and more family arrive. And it was the grandma and a couple of sisters and then their kids. And then there was some other adults there. And I was kind of looking on in an envious way thinking how lovely it's your holidays and you all you all get to do this together you all get to to have a day together and then a pessimistic mm -hmm. side of you went I bet you're all hating it <laughs> I bet you're all totally stressed out about this and I'm looking at it thinking oh that looks lovely and then I thought 
No, actually, they're probably looking at me going, oh, I just wish I was just here just with my own kids and I didn't have to deal with all these other adults. So I kind of get that. I often look at larger families through rose-tinted glasses when it's probably not all as lovely and um, supportive as it might perhaps look at a first glance. But I definitely do feel like going forward, the boys have this opportunity of an extended family that they wouldn't have had otherwise so um with my new partner they you know they have another adult in their life another person who loves and cares for them and looks out for them and 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 thinks of them which I think is just a really beautiful thing and you know when my ex is in that same place you'll have you know they'll have another adult on the other side and and I feel completely confident that that they will be positive influences on the boy's life and there is the opportunity to have this more extended family than they would have had otherwise so it's it's kind of ironic the fact that I feel like choosing to step away from my marriage has meant that I've broken down this family unit but in the longer term and the bigger picture it might actually mean that the boys have more of a family so yeah like I'm, I'm aware of that side of things but there still are those little moments to think oh, am I breaking down something that's already really small? Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, there was just the three of us. Uh, we have of obviously my family, but, you know, I feel like Cerise is an only child. She doesn't have that other person to go through mm. this with, like a brother or sister who just knows what it's like. So your two boys are lucky because there's already an understanding of what it was like to grow up together um, and have this happen, whereas Cerise is on yeah. her own. It's it's just me and her. And, like, a big fear I have is that um, when she grows up, she's going to lose the deep connection she has with her dad because at the moment he's choosing to only see her every second weekend and have mm. her on, on the Saturday night. And... For me, I, I wonder if she'll look back and, you know, as adults we all talk about our childhoods and how we got <laughs> fucked up from one thing or another. It's always our parents' fault. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, and many stories of separations or parents staying together but being so unhappy. But I, especially for women, and what's the same with boys too, you, you need – parental figures that feel safe they they are your foundation and I wonder if this is I feel like this is too little time with her dad and potentially that's going to impact her growing up and what are her memories going to change from being a part of this three and then just most of the time being me and her mm. and me single mumming my life and uh, I know that that won't be forever, even though I did say I'm afraid of being alone forever, but every woman in the world <laughs> has had that thought <laughs> at some point. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think that it's, a, it's a, definitely a rabbit hole that you can go into you know you think oh, okay well yeah I am concerned about this but what does it really mean and I think for us and I love this topic it's the crux of the matter is what are we 
scared of? What are we scared of? And I'm scared that this is going to have, because I know it will have a lasting imprint on my child, but I'm scared that she might lose her relationship with her father because he wasn't there or she is going to seek out guidance from somebody who is just not the right person for her or she'll grow up and be a teenager and and do all these crazy things because, I don't know, she didn't have the good influence in her life even though I'll be there. (laughs) It's just all of things that just becomes, yeah, this thing Mm -hmm. that unravels not always gracefully and, you know, I have fears all the time around Cerise, around yes. what if I'm in an accident and I die or what if she's in an accident and she gets hurt or dies. And I think as a parent these anxieties, they pop up and they're so strong and you see something happen on the news and you're just like, <gasps> Oh, I couldn't handle if it was if it was somebody I loved deeply, my friends, my family, my parents, my cousins who were like my brothers and sisters. Um, I couldn't handle it if it happened to yeah. them, let alone my child. And so I'm anxiety ridden every now and again, just thinking, "Wow, that is so overwhelming to be so emotionally connected to someone." that you absolutely do not know how you could continue yeah, breathing yeah. if they were not here. Yeah, like, it reminds me um, of the story that Brené Brown tells in her book, I think it's Daring Greatly, and she talks about as parents when you your kids have been driving you crazy all day and you put them off to bed and, and you walk in to say goodnight to them and they're lying there like little angels and you allow yourself for a split second to enjoy the moment and then your brain switches into oh my god what if something happens to them what what if they're not okay like and it's it sounds super Mm. dramatic but I think it's really true and for me it's it's that idea of (laughs) of allowing yourself to be so vulnerable with something that you really have no control over you know to know that something outside of you a life outside of you has such a bearing on your heart it just it, it feels overwhelming at times and I think mm-hmm. that's something that all parents will be able to relate to on any level regardless of of what's going on in their relationship um, and and what's going on in their life personally I think that that fear of something happening to our kids is 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 one that that will always be there I think yeah I mean mm. we're so wired <laughs> as parents to be to be thinking constantly how can I keep my child safe? How can I keep my child safe? And I am the most lax mum. Like she is a (laughs) free range chicken, but (laughs) it doesn't mean I don't freak out. But I think at the end of the day as well, like what you said there about control, for me everything that underpins all of this is a lack of control and I actually struggle with that. So even though I'm free and easy and I don't know if you feel the same about how you live your life but I really love being able to go to go on adventures and not feel tied down and being able to explore and be like water and let things roll because everything ends up so much better than what I could have ever anticipated at the start and so this is very hypocritical 
for me to say, but I do have a fear of a mm. lack of control. So on one hand, I want to be free to do what I want to do and explore things and and create, but I do have this control freak nature about me as well. I don't know how the two work together, but lack of control is something is one of my mm. biggest fears. What about you? Yeah, I wanna you've just brought up a fear for me that I didn't know I had. So thank you for that. <laughs> I think I think I need to be paying for like some therapy. <laughs> um it's funny when you say that one of your fears is of being alone. Because as I was making the decision to step away from my marriage, I realized that I had never been alone. And so for me, it was a fear of never having mm. been alone, never getting to be alone, never being independent. So you've given me some stuff to unravel in that mm -hmm. one. Thank you. <laughs> um, as I've mentioned in our first episode, I met my ex when I was just 18 and quickly fell into a really stable relationship and got married and had kids and had never really been an independent woman who made her own decisions. It was always joint decisions made in a relationship. And... I felt like I needed to experience that in my life. Obviously, there was lots of other things going on that contributed to the decision to step away from my marriage. But yeah, I was scared that I'll go through my whole life and I'll never have been alone. I'll never have been independent. Mm. That's so interesting. So what about that scared you? It felt like not reaching my potential not realizing parts of my life that that I knew were within me that being in that particular relationship with that particular life wasn't going to allow me to experience and that was a greater pull for me than to stay where I was so it was this anticipation and excitement of the unknown of getting to meet me as a person and yeah. and peel back the layers to to parts of me that I'd never got to experience before. I knew that that was something I needed to experience in my life. And that idea of being independent, and that actually leads on to my other fear, which is around money and independence when it comes to money, which I feel is like a whole, not just episode, but season in itself. <laughs> um, but needing to, yeah. to stand on my own two feet when it came to to money and finances as well and then all the fear and limiting beliefs that came up around that as being a single woman who has two children who has her own business there was mm -hmm. there's so many variables in that that it was something it was almost this like quest I needed to go on by myself and I'm still in it and there's still days that I'm paralyzed by the fear of what if I can't provide for me and my kids what if I can't support us and then, you know, I realized that, that it is just, just fear, but it's, it's very real and it can be really debilitating at times. Absolutely. So what is your money story? So Denise Duffield-Thomas talks about your money yeah. stories and how they impact you. And either, I know that my money story is very, very strong, but what was yours? Because... 
Mm. Money is a huge thing for me and yet I didn't even consider it as a fear until you brought it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) No, it's great. Good. It gives you perspective. But I really want to know, what what's your money story? Denise Duffield Thomas's work has been just hugely influential in my life over the last, what, five, six years. Um, and I love everything that she's doing around helping women with these limiting beliefs and stories around money and what it is to, to earn money and to, to be rich in so many different ways, not just in cash. So for me... My my money story is, like, the basis of it is that you can earn money or you can be a loving parent. You can't be both. So that was my experience growing up. My dad was the one who had his own business, went to work six days a week, provided for our family. We had a really lovely life growing up. We went on nice holidays. We were really financially secure. There was no worries around money in our family But then the flip side of that was my dad wasn't a very emotionally available, open person when we were kids. It was more so when we became adults and we either went off to work or went off to uni and we became independent and moved out of the house. Then me, my brother and my sister, our relationship with our dad all changed hugely when we reached that stage in our lives. Because I think my dad was able to relate to us more as young adults than he was as kids, which was really lovely. But certainly growing up, it was my mum was the primary caregiver and the one who gave us that emotional support. She was the one that did all the stuff around the house. She didn't work when we were kids. She ferried us around from netball to swimming to dancing to whatever activities we had going on. Um, So for me, that story was you can either be the earner or you can be the one that gives love, but you can't be both. So that's been a huge one for me to unravel because in this stage of my life now, I want and need to be both for my kids. And that's been something that I work on on a weekly basis to try and not overcome, but try and reframe and and view in a different way. Because I know that, that that's not the case. There's plenty of examples of, of women who who can't who are doing both and men who are doing both but for me that wasn't my reality growing up so it's taken yeah time to kind of unpack that and reframe it for myself yeah I had a meeting with my (laughs) financial advisor last week because I'm being a good adult and being responsible and doing those things and it's funny those little things just feel huge like really Mm -hmm. huge moments for me to take control of that and I found this amazing financial advisor who focuses on women who are separated or divorced and so it was just the perfect alignment and I went in ready to have your big open honest conversation but I literally cried for 90 minutes in front of this woman and (laughs) I think she was a bit unprepared for it as well but um, you know just just asking questions like what does money represent in your life and and what's the story you're telling yourself about it you know it was it was like a 90 minute therapy session but I think money is such a trigger for so many people and and it was just lovely to have that support of someone to be like yeah yeah I have this idea in my head that I'm really irresponsible with money and I'll blow it all which I don't even know where I get that from because I'm not a big spender I don't I don't go out shopping every week. I'm not extravagant in the things that I do buy. I live in a very modest little house that I rent. 
I've got a pretty modest life when it comes to those material things and, and, and spending money. But for some reason in my head, I'm like, I'm not good with money. I'm going to blow it all and I'm going to have no money. And, and then what do I do next? Which is ridiculous. But it was so lovely just to speak to someone who's like, it's okay. Like we can, we can walk you through this. This is fine. So yeah, money is just a huge one for me, especially mm-hmm. at the moment as a step into being, you know, financially independent and not supported by a partner. Um, before in my business, you know, there could be, as is always the case with business, especially when you have a freelance style business, you can have, it's that real feast or famine workflow. You can have amazing months and then you can have really crap months. And that was always balanced out by my husband's healthy monthly salary that we knew was always coming in. So having stepped away from that mm-hmm. now um, and being solely responsible is is a massive responsibility but also feels like an exciting time for me to be able to step up and do what I have always wanted to do. But it feels like this is a little push to actually achieve it now that there's not that safety net always ready there to catch me, which I know in myself is something that I need that leap and hopefully the net will be there to catch you kind of mentality. Um, if there's lots of safety nets, I'm not, I don't fully yeah. commit to things, which I, I know in myself. So it feels like this is a really great opportunity for me to step up within myself and and have a better attitude towards money and earning and what that means for me and, and for the boys going forward. Mm. It's so funny how all of these pieces of your life or yourself as a human being, they really get a spotlight shone on them when you're going through any kind of transition, right? Because even though you'd been working on your money story with Denise for the last five to six years, it's probably become even more apparent around what this means to you and your boys and you as a business owner and an independent woman now that you've transitioned from your marriage. And I feel like it's everything that you may have considered or thought about or worked on in the past, everything is just amplified now and it's I think my biggest thing like all of these pieces of the puzzle come back to feeling whole as a person so when you were talking about your relationship or always being with someone and then you being excited about being independent one question I did want to ask you is do you feel like you are more whole now in a way because you are doing this all for yourself or do you feel like you're the missing piece of a puzzle because so many of these things, money, house, car, children, the country you live in, the people you see, the activities you do would have all been based around your relationship with that Mm. person at that time. And now every decision yeah. is from you. It's, it's from you. So do you feel like that is something that makes you feel more whole as a person or do you do feel like there's a lack and you kind of want to feel find your mm. other half or feel yeah, that? yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, my English. I get you. I get what you say. Um, yeah, I think I think there's been a bit of both for me. 
I was very conscious to not try and fill the gaps when I was choosing to remove things from my life. I was very conscious to not default and just fill those gaps because it felt uncomfortable. Um, and and it's funny because mm. getting into another relationship was not something I was I was looking for, but the universe would have it other ways. But I was very conscious about tapping into what was going on for me and was this just you know was it old habits or was it fear of of leaving these huge spaces in my life and feeling the need to fill them up and and obviously that wasn't the case but yeah it felt like to be able to create that space allowed me to intentionally choose things that filled the space and it feels nice to leave a little bit of space you know to to have those space for other things whereas before I felt like my life was was full like 100% full locked doors closed whereas now it feels like my life's maybe 80% full and there's this it feels lovely to leave this 20% because I don't know what else is coming in and I think from an energetic point of view you know it puts that idea out there that I've got space in my life for other things and for other people and for me as well in the last probably couple of months I've set this intention that I need some more support in my life I need people to help me because as we mentioned at the beginning I don't have that extended family around here and and to let myself accept help has been really great and I know when people ask me for help I love being able to help other people and I realize I've robbed people of the opportunity to help me when they've seen that I might be struggling and I feel like nope I've got this altogether I'm going to do this on my own and that doesn't serve me or or anyone really and I'm aware of that so yeah I've had this real clear intention to allow people to to support me and finding this financial advisor has been just amazing and just really feeling like there's people around me to help me in areas that I might feel like I'm personally not very strong in has been really nice because I've allowed myself to have that space energetically in my life to allow those people to step in and help me and support me mm. Ugh, oh, i know asking for help. shit isn't it because you know looking like at it. your amazing business and the work that you do like you have such an amazing team of people around you in your work and and I know that you're close with your family. And so do you find it easy to accept that support and help? Do you find it easy to ask for it and allow it to happen? Or, or is that something that you struggle with? Because from the outside, it looks like you are so open to everyone helping and supporting you. But I know that that might not necessarily be the case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <nah>. no, <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep people at a distance. For sure. I love being around people. I love doing things with people. I love having a team around me. I think within my business, I have Laura. So she's my two IC. She's with me four days a week. And then I have Chloe one day a week. And then we have volunteers and contractors for different events. And then at the social studio, I've got a team and um, I'm part of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy as a trainer, so there's a team there. So, and then with Reawakened, obviously, I have you, and I have great friends around me and family. I don't, I see my mum every week, so my mum comes over every Wednesday, and she has done since Cerise was born. 
But other than that, I, yeah, I feel like everything in my life is very hypocritical because I love being around people and I love enjoying their company, but I will absolutely put barriers up and only let um, 2% of people really know what's happening and asking for help. I, for me, on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, I asked if people could help Cerise and I move some stuff out of our house because I just don't know mm-hmm. how else to do it. And that was a big thing for me. And do you know what? I'm probably, out of all the people who said they'll help, I'll probably ask one and I'll try and do most of it myself. I was like, Jade, no, yeah. you need help. I was like, I'm going to do this post and see what happens. But unless someone forces their way through my door, I'm probably just going to end up doing it myself. So I, yeah, on one hand, I'm so open, so honest, so everything. You can ask me anything and I will tell you. But if you are my friend or my family, the closer you are to me, probably the less I will Mm. tell you about how I'm really feeling because I don't want people to worry or to know or to offer that help or to be there or to see me vulnerable, Um, which is so stupid because if I was on a stage in front of 600 people, I'll tell you anything. (laughs) I would tell you anything, but I cannot for the life of me break down that wall. I just don't want them to worry like my parents I tried to talk to them about what's going on and all of this and just got too much and then they wanted to get involved and I'm like I'm okay on my own this is a choice this is a good thing I just I don't even want to have to justify it and potentially that's what it is too it's that I don't want to have to explain myself uh whereas with an audience with a podcast whatever, with somebody who you've met who you could be acquaintances with or friends with but not, you know, that deep core ongoing relationship. You don't feel the need to justify. People will just accept it and either support it or not. And with my family, it's emotionally draining to have to go into why you've made the decisions. And, of course, they have a curiosity and they want to know what's happening. They want to be there and support you that's how this podcast all started we caught up for a drink that night and we realized that our lives had been running in parallel and it was like you know I don't need to give you the whole backstory I don't need to over explain this to you because you already understand it the individual details might be quite different but it's someone that understands it whereas with family especially with parents and close family they bring so much to it as well and it has an effect on their life too. So this feeling of having to try and, and justify your position is it can be really tiring. It's not necessarily what you mean. You need it's you just need someone to hear where you're at right now, not necessarily everything that's gone before that. And so family can be a tricky one in these times of transition because they're fearful for you as well. They're scared for you moving into this unknown space too. Whereas someone who's yeah. doing it at the same time is like, Yeah, I get it we're doing the same thing here and there's there's less of that need for explanation or justification Mm. (sighs) Mm. that's it 
<laughs> so do you have any other fears or things that you're scared to say oh. out loud? I feel like we've kind of done a bit of a mashup of all the different ones. We've not really been very pointed in our topics, but that's what a conversation is, right? We don't have to be. No, there's nothing really logical or yeah, rational about exactly. fears to begin with. I think it all stems from stories we tell ourselves or how the outside world has shaped us. So it's probably the perfect way to have mm. this conversation um, the only other thing that I'm scared of, and I, yeah, I don't think, I think this is secret by default. You know, it's not like I'm afraid to say it out loud. It's just I probably haven't put it at the top of my list. But now that I'm in this period of time that I am in my life, I'm a mom and I'm single and not necessarily looking for a relationship, but also considering what could happen if I met someone right. I think I'm actually scared that I'm too much for men. And that ties in with the being alone. But I feel like as a person and and for men, I feel when you're not in our world, I don't understand how to act normal <laughs> anymore. I could not. My worst case scenario literally is to get a day job because I know that I would hate it. But also, I don't know how to act. I can't be normal. I can't not swear. I can't not be loud. And I feel like I'm probably too much for a lot of men to handle because I am very driven, I'm very ambitious, I want to go on adventures but I want to feel safe, I feel like I'm very loud and gregarious but then at times I just love being a hermit and crawling up onto the couch in my leggings and pyjamas for a couple of days and not move. I'm too sweary for a girl, I'm definitely not a lady, I'm so affectionate and sexual and I feel like I could be so annoying and too selfish and I feel like I'm too 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 much mm. for a man to want you know because you have the idea that men want someone who who, who cooks them yeah dinner I'm not a wifey <laughs> I need a wifey not a wifey and I probably will yeah, have just as much testosterone as the next man. I feel like I'm so okay with being feminine. I love being overtly feminine. I love dressing up. I love being in that nurturing state. I love feeling soft. But then when I'm passionate, mm. I'm all hard edges. I'm go, go, go. I'm just so driven. I want it. I want it now. And... That is something that I don't know if men can handle. Obviously, I'm generalizing here, but I think we all have experiences with people in our past or looking at the men around us where we're like, yeah, mm, would not be a good probably not be a good match because yeah. I'm just not your classic yeah, wife definitely. That, that idea of being too much is something that that I felt as well and I remember writing something in my journal a few years ago and it's that idea of feeling like you're too much for someone else but not enough for yourself and it's like yes oh my god yeah, like and it's shut up it's so stuck with me <laughs> you know, this, this idea that that 
you're too much for for the person in your life or the the person that could potentially be in your life but even then that too muchness is not enough for yourself and then you have to make that choice you know and I think you you have to be enough for yourself and and follow that rather than holding yourself back to be just the right amount for someone else but it's it's hard because it can I think you know for for some men again not generalizing it can be quite emasculating to be with the woman who has this real desire and ambition and drive some men don't really know where their place in the relationship is when they're with a woman like that but hopefully more men are waking up and being open to the fact that women you do have this masculine energy as well as this really soft feminine energy and sometimes one will take the driver's seat and sometimes the other will and that's what it is to be a woman to be able Mm -hmm. to allow yourself to go between the two and there to be times of really feeling into your masculine energy and being in that do mode and then other times allowing yourself to be softer and to be more feminine for men to be aware of that is huge and and I think it is happening I think there is a shift in that that thinking around what it is to be a woman from a male perspective Mm. and even for men to be able to Mm. be the nurturer at times and to be softer at times or to feel into their emotion at times and not be afraid that women are going to judge them or be anything but supportive it's a lot of the partners I have had okay every single one of the partners I've had has had issues expressing Mm -hmm. emotion and being vulnerable because they had to in their mind be a particular way to be a man and yeah, it's interesting, that dynamic. I think what both of us are, are looking for is equal partnership, right? You just want to have an equal partner and no matter how you show up in the world that day, having somebody there who just understands who you are as a person and that doesn't mean that you think less of them or that you're going to take anything away from them, but that's just you need to do business today or you really need cuddles and affection. Those times when a when a guy can be like, don't worry, I've got you. I've got this. It's fine. Don't think about it. Like that's really attractive. And then those other times when they can be open and vulnerable and show that sensitive side of themselves, that's really fucking hot too. And so I think for us to allow ourselves to be that must be attractive to them on the flip side. So I think both have strengths for both sexes and and even in same-sex relationships, you know, to be able to show those different energies is really attractive, both in their own right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yin and yang, ebb and flow, masculine, feminine. It's really not about the gender, is it? It's just about the emotion and the presentation of what's happening for you at any given moment. Yeah. Yeah, it can be just as as dominant in same-sex relationships as it as it can be in in heterosexual relationships so yes just being aware of that being aware of the fact that you're allowed to to take up space in in both in both energies and also recognize times where you need to kind of let yourself go or you need to step up to to notice when you need to shift and and how it's going to really help you to shift that energy and and having that awareness I think is really key Mm. Before we wrap up, was there anything else you wanted to mention? Something that's been bubbling away in the background for me um, that's 
taking up space in my life at the moment is having made a recent decision to stop drinking alcohol for an extended period of time. So that's something that I'm kind of playing with at the moment. I recognise that my relationship with alcohol has never been a very healthy one since, you know, I was a teenager. And yeah, I've been kind of digging into that a little bit more of like really just the idea of thinking about, am I going to have a drink? Am I not? Shall I drive tonight? Shall I not? Shall I have that glass of wine? Shall I not? Just the the decision factor was taking up too much space and energy in my life, physically and emotionally and spiritually. So yeah, I made a decision a little while back to just remove alcohol from my life for a little while, almost as an experiment to see what that opens up for me or how it makes me feel. So that's something I'm playing with at the moment, which is bringing up lots of uh, topics in itself, which is really interesting to kind of dive into that. So yeah, Mm. that's something that I'm probably going to speak a little bit more about in future episodes of the podcast as it unravels and I see exactly where this path is going to take me. But at the moment, it, it feels exciting to see what my life looks like without alcohol because it's been an ever present factor in my life for over 15 years really so I'll let you know how it goes wow. yeah keep us updated and I um I made a joke in another podcast about taking you out for a wine but I'll take you out for a nice <laughs> cup of tea <laughs> oh, so for all the lovelies who are listening we'd really love to know what you're too scared to say out loud or what your fears are. You don't have to say them publicly on our Instagram page, but you can send us a voice note on Anchor or shoot us through an email. What has this discussion brought up for you? Is there anything that has been highlighted for you or can you relate to anything that Vari and I are going through? I think that these are very common topics for so many people people men and women and it's nice to know that you're not alone so I guess we hope that if anybody else was feeling like they may have been on their own with their fears or that there's not those people around them to have these kinds of discussions with because they're in a different part of life or they're not there yet um, then just know that we're here for you And this is something that we can absolutely talk about without fear of being judged or that anyone's going to have an opinion of you other than one that is that you're a person trying to do their best in a world that can feel very overwhelming and complex at times. Absolutely. Jump onto the Anchor app. If you've not downloaded it already, um, you can download it for free and you can listen to all our episodes on Anchor. And they have a function on the app that lets you send us a voicemail. So there's literally just a little button there that you click and you can leave us a voicemail. And it might be really nice to collect some voicemails of you saying things out loud, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've never said it out loud. It can be completely anonymous. You don't have to leave your name. There'll be nothing to identify you. But it might be just a nice little exercise if there, if as you've been listening to this podcast, if there's things that have been coming up for you that you've realised you haven't said out loud or it's a fear that you haven't shared with anyone else, um, let us be that platform for you to say it out loud and just know that those things that you say out loud, there are 
absolutely without doubt other people who are feeling exactly the same thing so we could collect a little anonymous list of some secret fears that people have and I know that would be helpful for us in a selfish level um, and also for for the rest of the the listeners it could be a really nice outlet for you to say those things out loud for the first time Mm, amazing Oh, well, thank you for such a great conversation today, Vari. And I'm looking forward to episode six, which is navigating change gracefully. And I just want to put a note in here and say, I am probably not the one who's doing this gracefully. It's (laughs) probably Vari more so. (laughs) But I look forward to having this conversation next episode. So please make sure you subscribe. Uh, so you can be the first to hear when that is hot off the press just go to reawakenedwomen.com see ya bye